Okay, well, good evening, everybody. I, I'm so glad to, to see you. I'm so glad to see you uh, in front of me. I, I know there's a lot of ways you could be spending your downtime here in, in the evening, and the fact that you joined what is, I'm sure, not your first Zoom call of the day uh, again so that we might worship together and open God's Word together um, and, and, and fight to feel like a community. I want you to know that it is a beautiful thing that Jesus sees and honors, and I, and I pray he'd be with us tonight. We're in... Week four of our series in the parables of Jesus. This is the stories that Jesus tells specifically about the kingdom of God, or as we'll see from Matthew tonight, the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom, which is the rule and the reign of Jesus as king, that is marked by love and truth and mercy and justice. And we're looking at these parables, these stories, because we're people who inhabit a story and who mark our lives and define ourselves by the stories that make up our, our life, but our stories are, are in disarray. And this year, more than ever, in, in the past year or so, we, we felt the ways that uh, our stories are marked by disappointment and loss, some, some of them small, like when Julia Foxen dismantled me at Paper Toss this week, uh, and, and some of them, of course, you know, more, more profound and more costly. But our stories start to make sense when we see them in light of and in the context of the story that Jesus tells. And so that's why we're looking at these, at these stories. And tonight we're going to be looking at two little stories that Jesus tells. To, he tells us a little pair, a little couplet from Matthew 13. We've been in Mark 4 for most of this, for all the semester so far. And we'll be in Mark 4 again next week. But, but now we're, we're moving into Matthew 13 for tonight, which is, which is a, a passage, if you look at the two, if you're ever looking at the parables, uh, they, they, a lot of them appear in both of those places. Uh, but it's going to be shared on your screen from Mark 13, 44 to 46, or you can look it up. Uh, on your Bible or on your device, but it would be great for you to have the text in front of you uh, to read along with me. This is the, the words of Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us in his great love for us. Let me pray and we'll jump into it. Jesus, I'm thankful for uh, this time together tonight. And I do pray that you would give us in our hearts and minds and imagination the feeling of togetherness, even though many of us are, are alone right now, to be reminded that because we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand, we're, we're held together in you. And I pray that you would bless us as we attend to your word and that your Holy Spirit would work through it right now so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had something that uh, you, you longed to acquire, something that you longed to have so badly that it, it started to take over your, your thoughts so that Whenever you have downtime, you're thinking about it. When you lay down at night to go to sleep, it's on your brain. When, you have, when, you're, when you're trying to work, you find yourself looking it up on the internet. It starts to take over more and more of your thoughts. Uh, in, the, in the fall of 2007, this was right after I graduated from college, I was 22 years old, I, I had something in my head that I, I was starting to long for, that I really, really wanted to get, and it started to take over my mind so that I couldn't get it out. And, and this thing that I, that I wanted, to, wanted to buy so bad, it wasn't uh, even for me. I, I had been dating for about a year this girl named Maggie, and I was really crazy for her, and this thing that was consuming me was a diamond. And I know Ben may be the only person on this Zoom call who can feel me on the diamond references right now, okay? But, but I 
started longing for and thinking about and being consumed by diamonds, which is a little weird thing for a 22-year-old boy. But I started to investigate, and there's this whole you know, world and universe of knowledge and science and history of, of diamonds. And of course, this is a little preview of you guys. You gotta, you gotta start to learn the four C's, the, the color, the carrot, the clarity, and the cut. That's the shape, okay? <clears throat> uh, and of course, these things determine like the value uh, of a diamond. And as you start to learn about diamonds, you, you learn very quickly that even little diamonds are really, really expensive. Okay, they're just really, really expensive. But I, but I was really longing for, and of course I wasn't just longing for it because I think diamonds are cool. I was longing for it because of what it meant. I was longing for it because of what it pointed to. I was longing because uh, it, it represented to me the, the idea of this life with Maggie together that I was dreaming about and have been dreaming about for a long time. And so I'm starting to think about diamonds more and more, and, and I resolved to, to buy one and I, I arranged, I was doing the Trinity, something called the Trinity Fellows Program, which some of you guys know about in Charlottesville, Virginia at the time. Maggie and I each lived there. And I went home to Knoxville for, for Christmas, and I'd arranged for a jeweler to have this diamond for me to look at. And so I, I pull into town, and I go, and I start looking at diamonds. And I resolved to spend you know, more money than I'd ever spent on anything else in my life up to that point. Because it, it's beauty, not just, not just that quality of like the way that it, like it's going to sparkle forever. Like you're long, it never, it, never goes, it never goes bad because it's so pure and so strong. But not just that, but of course what it represented with this woman who wanted to be my wife. And our passage tonight, these two little stories are, are about that sense of discovering something that is so beautiful and so good and so tremendous that you just have to have it no matter what it costs you. And so what we're going to look at in terms of this relates to the kingdom of heaven is, is two things here. Because, of course, what Jesus is saying is this thing that's worth so much that you have to have. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the rule and reign of Jesus. So we're going to look at tonight the value of the kingdom and the venture of the kingdom, okay? The value and the venture. So, so first, the value of the kingdom. And the, and the two stories, they really illustrate the same thing. That something has been found or discovered that has incredible value that has ultimate worth. It, the, the first thing is this, this secret treasure that this man uh, comes across. The second is the pearl of, of great value that a, that a pearl merchant finds. Uh, these are things that are sort of uh, hard for us to relate to. Maybe you've never found big, like secret treasure in a field before. You may have never searched for fancy jewels before, but things that are in this time of unearthly worth and value. Enough that they're more valuable than every other thing that these characters and that we might possess. And so the question is, why is the kingdom of heaven so valuable? What is its, what is its value? And, and I've said each week that the kingdom of heaven is not just a thing, not just a place, but it is the rule and reign of Jesus, the king, who rules with love and truth and mercy and justice. And so the value of the kingdom is not just because the kingdom of heaven is great. It's not just because of what it is like, although what it is like, those four things, is, is incredible. It has value because of who the king is and what he's done for you and for me. Because no nation, no club, no university, no institution, no system, no, nothing has a king like Jesus. So, sometimes uh, Christians call the, the kingdom of, of God the upside-down kingdom because 
unlike earthly kingdoms, uh, in the kingdom of God, it's not the lowly who serve the king, it's the king who serves the lowly. The king of the kingdom of heaven is, is a king who eats with prostitutes and tax collectors. He's a king who, who touches lepers. He's a king who draws near and washes feet of sinners. And he's a king who has taken on and embraced death on himself in order to satisfy the perfect justice of God. That, the, the punishment that my sins and your sins deserve, this king has taken on himself and his death on the cross. And the death that we deserve, he has conquered and risen from the dead in his resurrection. That's this king. Isn't that a king you'd want to follow? Isn't that a king you'd want to trust? Isn't that a king you'd want to worship? Isn't that a king you'd want to obey? And as you start to, to imagine the things in life that we think are great, and you start to stack them up, against the kind of king that Jesus is, they just pale in comparison. The kingdom of God has, has ultimate value. It's, it's worth more than everything else because only in the kingdom of heaven are we redeemed and forgiven and brought the promise of the hope of eternal life. That's the only kingdom that offers that because it has the only king who has done it for us. And for each of us, if you're like me at least, and I think this is true for all of us, in our sinfulness and our selfishness, we tend to operate, we tend to function, even as we, for those of you who are Christians, as if other things, other kingdoms, are of equal or even greater value than the kingdom of God. So we consider the kingdom of success to be great because it promises us comfort and security. We, we, we consider the kingdom of sex to be great because of the way it makes us feel desired and loved. We consider the kingdom of money to be great. We consider the kingdom of academics to be great because of the way it makes us feel fulfilled and affirmed. We, we consider all these things great, and we tend to look to them more than we look to Jesus. And so my challenge to you is I want you to stack those things up in your mind t- tonight against the redemption that Jesus has accomplished in his death and resurrection. And tell me which one is better. Which one is greater? Nothing is as good because no other thing has a king like Jesus who has laid down his life for us. That is the value of the kingdom. It is the king and what he has done for us. So that's the first thing tonight. The second is this is the venture of the kingdom. And I mean the, that, is the, that is the thing we are pursuing and doing towards the kingdom. And the venture of the kingdom in these parables has to do with what these people do in order to acquire what they have found to be valuable. What they do to get it. The man who finds the treasure in the field, he, he secretly buries it, and then he goes and buys the field with all the money he has. And, and once he owns the field, he owns everything in the field, so now he owns the treasure, which is, a, it sounds a little shady, right? <laughs> it sounds a little bit sneaky to me. The point Jesus is making is that when you find something this valuable, you do anything it takes to acquire it. When you find something as valuable as the kingdom of heaven, you do anything that is required of you to get it. That's what this passage means. And the second man, this is, this is a merchant who comes across a pearl for sale. We, we don't know like the specifics of the transaction, right? This is a merchant in search for fine pearls. That's like the baseline. So this is a, a wealthy and successful man. And he finds a pearl that is of such value that he sells 
all his possessions and able to get it. Now, I, you know, I've studied English literature and theology, okay? So I, I'm not a wealth management expert. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not an investment banker. But if you were to come to me and say, Lewis, I have a plan for my life. I'm going to sell all my possessions and buy a really shiny rock. I would tell you that you're crazy. I will tell you that you were foolish, and I would beg you not to do it and to think about the ramifications on your life if you give up everything just for something shiny. But of course, what this passage points to is that this thing that he's selling everything for, it's not just shiny. It's of unearthly value. It is so good that it's worth any cost. So not only do you do whatever it takes to acquire this thing because of its value, you pay the price no matter what it is because any price is a steal. Anything that you might pay is a steal because of the value of the kingdom. Here's what, here's what Paul says. Here's how he describes it in Philippians 3. He says this in, in verse 8 of Philippians 3. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. According to Paul, everything, even good and true and beautiful things, are loss and rubbish when they're stacked up to knowing Jesus. Because it is of such great value that everything else is loss. The venture of the kingdom is, is the process of doing whatever you have to do, no matter how much it costs, in order that you might more fully grab hold of Jesus and his kingdom in your life. Now, we don't have to purchase the kingdom, right? That's where the similes, that's where these stories break down. It's not something that we buy. It's not something that's for sale. In fact, it's, it's on offer for free through the grace of God. But even though it's free, it costs us something. Because Jesus, although he accepts you as you are, he calls all of you to himself. He invites you to follow him not just with part of your life or part of your mind or part of your heart or part of your behavior or part of your relationships, but in everything that you are. One, one of the things that you'll, you'll hear me say is that, uh, and this I, I, I heard from I'm a mentor named Hans Beyer, that for the kingdom of God to come alive in you, your own selfish kingdom has to be dismantled. It has to die. It's on offer for you, but it's going to cost you your own selfish self-made kingdom. And like the people in these two stories of Jesus, there are things that me and you are called to part ways with, to, to let go, so that we might fully grab hold of the most precious thing in the world, Jesus, our King and His kingdom, of love and truth and mercy and justice. Do you ever have the experience, like you're walking to your car or you're walking home and you've got your, your school bag and you've got your gym bag and you're eating, like you're eating a bacon sunrise and you've got your water bottle and you're talking on the phone and then you get to the door and you realize like you don't have hands to grab your keys and there's nothing you can do. And you realize like I have to put something down in order to get what I need right now. That's what this passage is calling us to do in our hearts. It's saying what do you need to let go of in your life? What do you need to drop so that you can grab hold of what is on offer for you in Jesus and his kingdom with, with, your, with both hands, with both arms, with all your strength. Some of us need to let go of that sense that we are in control of our lives. 
Some of us need to, to let go of our own insistence that our plans for the future work out the way that we want them to work out. Some of us need to let go of relationships that lead us to compromise our integrity or our purity. Some of us need to let go of, of unhealthy relationships with things like alcohol. Some of us need to let go of, of all kinds of the sinful and selfish desires that might lead us away from God. I, I don't know what it would be for you. And the sad thing is, when I stop and think, I can think of a hundred things that I'm holding onto too tightly so that I can't take hold of the free gift that Jesus offers me in himself given for me on the cross and in his spirit to be with me and give me that abundant life that Jesus talks about in John. I, I think it's important to say, and maybe we don't talk about this enough, that that cost is real, that following Jesus really is costly, that that really is hard. There really are sacrifices to be made. It's, it's okay. We can say that it's okay because it's worth it. Because the cost is so overshadowed, it's so outweighed by the greatness, by the depth and breadth and height of the love of God for me and for you in Christ Jesus. That is why it's worth it to let go, because what you have to hold on to is so great, it can't be compared with anything else. Because only in the kingdom of Jesus is there redemption and forgiveness and eternal life. Only there. I, I ended up spending more money on the diamond ring than I meant to, than I thought I would. Because when, when, I, when it came down to it and I was looking at these shiny little rocks and these golden bands, and I was thinking about what it meant and what it was leading to and this life that I was dreaming about with this woman that I loved who I wanted to marry, it was so beautiful to me that I wanted to go all in with it. And I couldn't hold myself back. And, and I got to tell you this, I gotta, I, I, this is a promise, that when I was driving six hours on Christmas morning in 2007 to Maggie's house to surprise her, and when I got down on one knee in the field behind her house under the stars to ask her to marry me, and she said yes. And when we got married just over here on the Washington Lee campus, that summer, and when we bought our first house, and when we had our four daughters, and when we left Virginia and came back to do ministry in this beautiful place that we love, where God was so at work in Maggie's life when she was in college here, when, when those things happened, I was not thinking about how much money I spent on that ring. I have not regretted it one time. I have not regretted overspending on that ring. What I was thinking about was not the cost. What I was thinking about was the incredible ways that God has blessed me and my wife and our family, his provision for us, the joys that have come with all the sorrows and challenges of our life together. And, and I want to tell you that if, if you are sitting here and listening tonight and you are having a hard time stomaching the cost of this great pearl, if you were sitting there thinking, you know, I know there's things that I probably could let go of, but I just don't know if I can. I just don't know, honestly, if I want to. I, I hope you'll talk to me. I hope you'll talk to a friend who is also trying to follow after Jesus. I hope you'll talk to Abby or Ben or Laws. I hope you'll talk to people in your small group or maybe your small group leader. I hope you'll talk to your quads. Because if you talk to me, I, I will resonate with you with the costliness of letting things go. 
But I will also promise you that you can let them go because the redemption that is offered to you in Christ is worth it. It is the greatest thing in the whole world. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you are the good king and you are the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And you have called us by name and we are yours and that is the best thing that there is. And we praise you for the good king that you are and what you offer for us. And Lord, I, I pray that you would give us courage and faith to trust and follow you, even in the ways that you might be calling us to let go of things in our lives that matter to us more than they should. But I pray that we would do it not out of uh, some shame or guilt. And if anyone is feeling shame or guilt right now, Lord, Holy Spirit, take it away and replace it with the beauty of your love and the power of your, of your grace and forgiveness. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.